Thank you very much, church, for allowing me to be here this morning and uh, share the Word of God. And uh, it's just a privilege. It is a privilege. The music, <clears throat> this mu- the music this morning, as I was listening to, I believe in, I believe in signs and wonders. I had to write them down here because I, don't <laughs> I believe in signs and wonders and the power of the blood. It's just those are just testimonies of. Uh, why I'm here this morning to be able to share with you the Word of God, because His, His love and the power of the blood of Christ made a difference in this life, that I can be here this morning to share these words with you. And um, <clears throat> just um, the thought that went through Mike Travis's mind, my wife, she's always like, be careful the thoughts that go through your mind and you share publicly. <laughs> but but the, the, as I sat here this morning, I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, we do things reverse, you know. I should have shared this word and then sang the songs because they just, they just, they, they, say, they said what I want to say. And um, so you could leave right now and it'd be good, but, but stay around, <laughs> stick around. And <clears throat> so this morning, I'm look at a couple passages of scripture, one out of the book of Exodus, chapter 3, it tells about the, the calling of Moses because it was just an incredible episode. Let me share that with you first. And you're probably very familiar. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Oh, I guess I'm supposed to tell my time. My wife's like, you got a title? You got a title? Let go and take up. That's a title. So, <laughs> so, so Exodus 3, this, that's really the, this is it. So one day Moses, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jericho, Jethro, the, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly been seen the oppressed of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and led, lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is the land flowing with milk and honey. The land where just all these different names are there, all these people. <laughs> Verse 9. You with me? Verse 9. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. That just always intrigues me. Moses protested to God. (laughs) Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign, that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested. <laughs> Moses. It's just, <clears throat> Moses reminds me a lot of my wife. So, 
Verse 13, you go back to verse 13. Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Such a very familiar passage where God connects with humanity, synchronizing the will of God among humanity. From the beginning of creation, God has sought to coincide with those who are willing to participate in, the, in accomplishing the kingdom of God. The act of God reaching out to Moses made a profound impact upon the people. Because this story throughout the Old Testament is, is re recounted. It's told again and again. The people of God would continuously look back upon Moses and his willingness to embrace. To embrace something that was momentary. A burning bush. It's not going to last long. Okay? But the God who spoke to Moses out of that burning bush was forever. Various places throughout Scripture, we read where the people of God make references to what Moses accomplished through his act of obedience. This call upon Moses' life, we know if, if you should know the history of that, how, how it incredibly, incredibly impacted Moses' life. And he took people and led them through such challenging situations. And the history is incredible, phenomenal. But, and again, it's, that, it wasn't just a one-time incident. There are various places even throughout that story of God making an impact on people's lives. And God <clears throat> doing incredible, incredible accomplishments to those who are willing to say yes to the call from God. Our text this morning <clears throat> is going to be found in the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Again, it's not necessarily a call, but a rearrangement in some people's lives. Peter in particular. Matthew chapter 16 holds a very incredible situation. And it's a place where Peter has his life rearranged. Peter just, is just a hero of mine because we, had a lot in, we have a lot in common. <laughs> and um, so in Matthew chapter 16... Verse 21, we pick this story up again. And chapter 16, it has so many incredible situations in it. And we're going to just draw in on this one, Matthew 16, 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, that he would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. And that's like Moses protesting, okay? It's like, here's Peter. He's reprimand, reprimanding Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's like talking back to your wife. <laughs> but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him saying, for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said to him, and every pastor probably wanted to say this at a board meeting or something. Get away from me, Satan. 
you're a dangerous trap to me. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Uh, did I say something? I don't, I don't know. I was thinking something, and I probably said it, didn't I? But anyways, <laughs> verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything more worth more than your soul, for the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all the people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. In this passage, we have the contrast of the divine and humanity clashing together, just like that bush with Moses. And here it is, Peter in the Messiah, Jesus. Jesus began to explain what was, going, what was going to unfold according to the will of God. And upon hearing this, Peter pulls Jesus aside. And it's incredible. <clears throat> Various translations. The New Living Translation, actually the only one that doesn't have this word in there. It says Jesus began, and then it says Peter began. And it's almost like a contest that begins Peter and Jesus. Jesus began, and so Peter's like, no, I'm going to begin. No. <laughs> he comes, no. Peter pulls Jesus aside, and he began to explain to Jesus how this wasn't a good plan. It's no accident. It's no accident. The way this is structured, the way Matthew structures this, you can't help but think, I'm not a historian, and <clears throat> I'm even more intimidated when I preach here, thinking that Miranda wrote information for the biblical illustrator for lessons and stuff, and I'm like, this lady knows a lot of stuff, man. <laughs> so, anyway, I don't know. I think Matthew had a vendetta out against Peter. Because he has this, chapter 16 has these stories in there. where uh, Peter was the one who earlier, earlier in Matthew's gospel, Peter makes this powerful and profound statement in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. He says, Jesus says, asking, who do people say that I am? And in Matthew 16, 16, Peter says, you the Messiah. I've been practicing that one. You're the Messiah. <laughs> You're the Messiah. Yeah. And then in Matthew 16, 21, Jesus began to explain what this role of the Messiah is going to require. And Peter responds in verse 16, 22. He took Jesus aside and says, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be done. The concept of the Jesus as the Messiah and how that role was required to fulfill according to the will of God, none of that fit in Peter's thinking. None of that fit in the way that he thought it should be accomplished. And as I considered that this, in preparation for this message, I thought to myself how therein lies the challenge for so much so, for humanity, for every human being. You see, being surrendering to Jesus Christ and allowing him to be the Lord of our life would be so much easier if we could just do things our way. <laughs> this would have been a great place for Peter and Jesus. I think about it because, <clears throat> you know, Mike Travis was never, wasn't always a good Christian boy. You probably know, everybody knows that. And because neither were you. But, <clears throat> but this would have been a great place for Peter and Jesus to have a serious face off. Just a knock-down, drag-out, fist-out, fist-fight. Just, just to determine who is right. Because Jesus is like, the Messiah's got to 
go to there and die. And Peter's like, come here. No, it doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Come here. I'm telling you. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. That's the kind of stuff. I don't know. Well, I live in Dennis and York, so you see that a lot in town, you know. But, uh, oh, man, I'm live streamed, too. But anyways, so Peter and Jesus could have really had it out here. But you see, here it is. Here's the role of the Messiah. He moves it off. He moves it off the confrontation, discontent, distraction to a bigger picture. And that bigger picture involves those who are seeking not to challenge the will of God, but those who are seeking to accommodate the will of God. You see, even as a Christian, sometimes we can challenge the will of God. Moses challenged it. Moses is standing there, a bush is burning. It's not being consumed. I can't, I can't comprehend, I never have been able to comprehend the fullness of what was taking place with Moses. But if you've had an encounter with God, you can appreciate what Moses is saying. I've had an encounter with God. That's why I'm standing here today, because my life changed. And your life will change when you have an encounter with God. Moses had an encounter with God. And all he could do is listen. And Peter, he was having an encounter with the Messiah. And really, all he could do is listen. You know, <clears throat> that bigger picture involves, again, not to challenge the will of God, but to accommodate the will of God. We all know the outcome of Peter's life. You see, Peter's not, he's not offended. Peter is Peter. The rest of the, this text is all about is, is for all of humanity. The lesson for all of humanity is contained in verses 24 through 26. I'm going to read it to you again. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? The choice <clears throat> lies before humanity every day until one crosses over to eternity. And the choice is this. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, let go. Put aside your selfish ambition. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. The other choice is hang on to your selfish thinking. You see, even as a Christian, wherever you are in your journey, young, old, maybe hesitant, even launching into that kind of definite journey of saying, Yes, I am a believing Christian, washed in the blood of Christ, saved and sanctified, and seeking to serve him. You still need to have that confrontation with the Messiah every day and say, hey, am I taking up my cross as I should be taking up my cross? What am I hanging on to that's selfish, that's keeping me from being all that I can be for you? And you know, there are times and ways in which we live life as an active pastor I was continually challenged with that. Now, as a retired pastor, 
It only happens when they say, hey, Mike, can you preach? It's like, oh, man, jeez. <laughs> Let me just, just, just check here. Am I alone? You know, no. You know, once you hit that retirement mode, it's kind of like, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe, Pastor Rick, can you help me with this? You get lazy in your religion, you know, sometimes. <laughs> Rick, no, Rick doesn't know. I, he's always been a good man of God. But, you know, anyways, don't, don't worry about Rick. But, <clears throat> but me, I don't do that well. But there are ways. <clears throat> How does a person stay on course? By taking up one's cross rather than hanging on to one's selfish ambition. Just a few things <clears throat> I want to share with you real quickly here this morning. Because I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to getting outside and enjoying the weather. But <clears throat> there are some ways in which we can retain that taking up the cross. And one of those was we were reminded of last week, Pastor Scott. He's great. He's, he's right on prayer. That message on prayer was good. Praying. <clears throat> Praying changes over time, too. I pray a lot now. I pray often. And it's, it's just a good discipline to exercise. You can't get enough of prayer time. Second one is consume the Word of God. I enjoy being asked to... To, to preach because that makes me dig in intentional in an area. And right now, I'm kind of, I'm stuck still in the book of Daniel, studying through the book of Daniel. And uh, you ever done that one, Miranda? That's a challenging one. That's a, I have to talk to Miranda about that one. Because it's just like, what? He did who? He did what? But, so, but consuming the Word of God. Consume, finding time for the Word of God. And in our world of today of technology, there are so many ways to facilitate the Word of God. And that's a good thing. Prayer, consume the Word of God. And fellowship, fellowship. So and nobody asked me to do this from the church either, but are you in a small group? It's, it's huge. It's so important. It's so important to be able to gather with people intentionally and to share I recently had the privilege of being asked because if you're a retired clergy in Eurexville, Denison, sometimes people pass away without a direct church affiliation. So this past week I was asked to do a funeral for an individual. And it, as I sat there, I always go early and just watch the people who come in. And it's just incredible the number of people who gather and I heard, actually heard one of the people say, this is the only time we get together and see each other. Small groups are huge, folks, because they're connecting with people. And this is good, too. This is the next one to do. Worship, attend worship services. That's the fourth one. But being in a group with people and talking about the Word of God and sharing concerns, that's what the community of the church is about. The task will continuously be in front of every follower to take up their cross for Jesus Christ or to hang on to our selfish, ambitious desires. In the, in ex, in the Exodus passage, Moses' Moses's call from God came in the midst of Moses' selfishness. Because that's, that's why he was in the wilderness. He had fled Egypt. He had been running from God. But, but God will find you wherever you're at. 
if you'll listen, that's your responsibility. Because God, and stop making God burn so many bushes. Listen to him. <laughs> global warming. Why is there global warming? Because so many bushes are burning trying to get people's attention. I don't know. <laughs> That's a Mike Travis political thing. But anyways, <laughs> in the book of Exodus, Moses, Moses' call from God came in the midst of his selfishness. He fled Egypt and was hiding in the wilderness, and God encountered Moses and got his attention. If you're not familiar with the rest of the gospel story, this guy Peter, this guy Peter, who, who nailed it, saying, Jesus, you're the Messiah. And then blew it when he tried to reroute Jesus, when Jesus identified how this role of the Messiah was going to be fulfilled. <laughs> and Jesus, Peter's like, no, no. This Peter guy is embraced by Jesus. Peter goes on to accomplish so much for the early church. You see, this task of taking up one's cross will be in front of every believer now and forever. Each believer must decide, are you picking up or hanging on? Are you picking up or are you hanging on? Let me pray with you this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It's so, it's so necessary in our life. We thank you, Father, for how valid it is when we dig into it and we, we look at it and we study it and we realize the results of obedience by your people when they said yes. When Moses said yes, the people of Israel were led out of Egypt. When the disciples said yes, we have the church today. We see results from obedience. And Father, we just thank you that even today there can be results even in our community that we live in through the obedience of your people who will say yes and take up their cross every day for you. Make a difference in the people they encounter. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me share with you in benediction these words from the book of Jude. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful day in, name, in the name of Jesus. Oh.